0: Once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 42. As we always like to remind you to please rate, review, share, download this podcast so we can reach a broader audience. It does make a big difference, and we appreciate all those who have already tuned in. Well, well, we have a nice show for you. I'm going deep into the Rolodex, and my friend John Hark's famous U.S. International World Cup player, one of the trailblazers that was off in Europe playing. What a beautiful player he was. He'll be joining me. He's now the coach of the Greenville Triumph in USL2 and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the path of this sport in this country and we'll talk about being the father of a promising young player who is looking to be part of the national team setup. That will be in the business end. Later in stoppage time yes it's back i will talk about the groundbreaking six-year deal 2.8 billion dollars for NBC to continue to be the carrier for the english premier league the good and the question marks where does it go is it a major sport is it worth the money i have an interesting answer to all of that and we'll also talk about the beautiful game this is the soccer og glad to have you on board All right, let's get into it. Never a dull minute as we have covering this sport. My goodness, especially with the pandemic, we have to find places to put games, tournaments, events, and even if there isn't any space, we'll make some. My, I mean, look, this is the one year until the World Cup. And currently on my YouTube page under Max Bretos, please check it out. I have my video entry of the Soccer OG where I will discuss the prelude to the World Cup. We know there's a lot of issues about this World Cup in Qatar. And I, I lose count as to these issues. And they're not nice to talk about. But the World Cup is here. And we can protest it. And you have my utmost respect if you decide not to watch it. But if you do decide to watch it, you'll see, as I will tell you why this could be, one of the best World Cups ever. Because it's in Qatar, I think it evens the playing field with regards to the European teams. Because, look, a lot of these World Cups are feeling more and more like the Euros, no? It's England. It's France. It's Belgium and Italy. But we want... South America, we want Africa, we want Asia, we want CONCACAF, don't we? We want them all there at the end. How do we get there? It feels like it's getting further away the possibility of a United States making a World Cup final. Or remember the talk about an African team. That is in the rearview mirror. It's further away than it's been since the 90s. So this World Cup has the potential to be really interesting. And I think it will deliver. And unfortunately, the human rights issues... The, uh, the LBGTQ issues, the bribery, corruption is something we will have to deal with. Because if this World Cup was going to be pulled, it would have been pulled a long time ago. And now that we're a year out, I tend to t- think about, I want to talk about the sport, the soccer. So check that out. YouTube, Max Bretos. I always put a lot of work and thought into it. I think you'll enjoy it. And I do it in, in an entertaining way that only the soccer OG can do. Business end, I'll be talking. It's going to be more interview because uh, John Harks, former U.S. international, really one of the the great early American players when it all started for the U.S. in earnest in the 1990s. He was also the number one guy, the Taylor Twellman, if you will, of the U.S. men's national team in MLS for ESPN, and now he's pivoting to coaching. He's always done it the right way. He's a great dude, and his son Ian Harks, currently playing in Dundee United starting to get on the radar if not already on the radar for greg berhalter and the u.s team and i'll talk about being a dad and all that that comes with and getting your kid on the right path in this sport where you 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 do everything you you possibly can to give him an opportunity but at the end of the day he's going to have to earn it himself with his play and he's doing that and that's good parenting and we like good parents on this show so john hark's in the business end also the premier league deal with nbc i'm really happy that nbc has it back they do a fantastic job all the folks there, are, uh, I call them friends, and they're good people, and they do a, a stand-up job. But the price tag here is what grabs my attention. We'll, we'll discuss that here in stoppage time. Yes, we, I know we didn't have stoppage time for a couple of weeks, but it's back, and it's back with a vengeance. couple things to talk about here that happened in another very busy week. How about Christian Polisic? Again, coming off the bench for Chelsea. I'll be curious if he finally gets a start here in Champions League play. I think it might be time. Scoring a goal. He he could have scored at least two, if not three, in that game. He came off the bench and he was a ball of fire. Granted, it was against a very tired Leicester City team. And I always, you know, you always got to take it with a grain of salt when you see a guy come off the bench. But it was really impressive. But the part that sticks out to me, is uh, the position he was put in. It was kind of like the false nine. I hate that expression, but it does the job, right? It is what it is. And he played in the middle there, and he was very effective. And I get to thinking with Ricardo Pepe uh, not getting the numbers. I don't want to say he's struggling. I don't think he's getting the service because the crossing for the U.S. team— has left a lot to be desired. It's not coming from the fullbacks. It's coming a little bit from Tim Wea That's a good development. But if you don't have that service, Ricardo Pepe is not going to be that effective. But maybe there's an option. I think Greg Berhalter's approached that by bringing Jesus Ferreira in. And maybe Christian Pulisic, now that he's healthy, and they have good wingers, maybe that's an option for him to play as well. So very positive. And again, speaking of grain of salt, you have to take it when you talk about Pulisic. Because at any time, he could get injured again. And we all wait for it. And we anticipate it. Uh, we still wait for Gio Reina to come back. No real update on him as to when he will be available. But when it does, hopefully he's ready for the 2022 qualifiers. Which is the first one is on January 27th, I believe. The U.S. will look to really secure that spot in the World Cup. Hopefully by the end of those three games. Where they'll be... I think, they'll, I think they can get there. The problem for... USA and Mexico and Canada. They've been all really good. But they've jettisoned all the other teams. Honduras, Costa Rica, Jamaica, El Salvador. However, there is plucky Panama hanging around. And remember, there's three automatic spots. Fourth has to go to a playoff. I talk about that on my YouTube entry under Max Bretos. The playoff is going to be a one-off game. Neutral site. And you have the teams from Oceania, which will probably be New Zealand. This is just to keep Oceania out of the World Cup, this playoff, unfortunately. Then you have fifth-place team in South America. You don't want any part of that heat. It could be Colombia. It could be Uruguay or Chile. And then you have the fifth-place team from Asia, which could be Japan or Australia. And I don't think you want that either. So basically, you don't want to finish fourth. And Panama is forcing USA and Mexico to really have to go all the way through the tape uh in this world cup rotation only got her soul he's gone I mean you had to you had to part ways there uh it was such a weird um situation I have a I have a thought that Michael Carrick the caretaker manager is going to come in he's going to get a couple good results and they're going to give him the full-time job Manchester United obviously this has been a, a thorn in their side people give Manchester United a lot of grief I would say that they did everything they said they would do. They got Jadon Sancho. They brought in Cristiano Ronaldo. It's just a manager situation, right? Is it? Are all these pieces good? They don't have a very good midfield. And Harry Maguire and the defense are just too hot and cold. So maybe you have to make a decision where it's outside of the United family. I hope they do well. I like when United is good. And it feels like it's been forever when they've been a consistent good. I thought this would be a year where they could probably compete for the Premier League title, but that seems out of reach at this point. So, what else do we have to talk about? I can't, I can't keep talking about it. I don't want to, I don't want to play it too thin here, but we're going to get into it. You're going to enjoy the conversation with John, and then stick around for stoppage time because I think you'll have some interesting perspective about this massive deal for the Premier League. This is the Soccer OG. We are back here. Time now for the business end where I lock horns with someone in the know in the United States with this great sport. And John Harks, a man who has seen it from my perspective as a journalist, broadcaster, and now as a coach for the Greenville Triumph. And I'll start there, John. But you, you have had an incredible success there coming off the, uh, the defeat, though, in the, the final against Omaha. How did the season go, man? But you are just Greenville's always there in the final but how do this how do you how do you look at this season and where are you taking this
1: yeah i mean first of all great to be on with you max and as you said um you know you and i have a history of, of growing the game back in the days of, of fox we're, trying we're to gonna, do we're emo- gonna get to that <laughs> yeah yeah but um <clears throat> you know this season has uh, has been a good year and uh it taught me a lot about our club and uh, about us as, as coaching our staff and we're certainly pressed you know uh, a lot of adversity, 16 out of 20 field players injured. How do you deal with
0: that?
1: Yeah, wow. we had a lot of injuries and it wasn't like chronic heavy loading. It was just weird things that we had, really just strange I- injuries and concussions and all that stuff. So um, we had two of our players, uh, main starters that were out for like three and five months respectively. Um, so we had to change, we had to change a lot and you have to adapt and, um, and you have to learn you know, on the way. So to get to the final, you know, we went through July and August where we didn't win a game for like eight games. And it was like, everyone was like, wow, what's happening? What's ha- how come we're not used to this? But through those failures, not failures, but through those lessons, we, we learn a lot. You grow. And, and if you don't have adversity, you don't grow. And so we did. We grew a lot. We got to the final. <clears throat> I thought we, you know, we dominated the game in the final. 65 uh, percent possession away from home on a really dodgy pitch. Um, that didn't really help the brand of soccer much, and in a baseball stadium, so a lot of different things that you're up against. And uh, the guys did well. We just you can't you can't turn over the ball against a transitional attacking team like them, and not expect you know to concede. And we did. We conceded early. Um, we fought back, and uh, you know we just couldn't put the ball in that. We had five or six really good chances. It was talk about, could we should have had a penalty and blah, blah, blah. And referees miss everything, but the players make the, make the game. So uh, proud of the guys, great group. Um, the one thing that I've always tried to do here um, and I like taking on things to grow the game. I really like projects like this. And it's more about creating opportunities for players with not just ability, but the characteristic traits, you know, I'm really good characters. And so, you know, team first mentality um, you know, I've learned a lot from a lot of coaches over the year that have helped me, you know, uh, certainly when you do jobs like media and everything else you're in the game to grow the game in different ways and you learn a different perspective, you know on how to manage people. Um, so yeah it's been a been a good year um, and now it's on to our fourth season, so we'll see you next year what happens.
0: John it's interesting the transition to coaching and I've always want to know more about it because as a broadcaster and you were the number one broadcaster at ESPN and then with Fox and I worked with you covering the national team covering MLS covering everything yeah and going to coaching I'm like when I'm a broadcaster I'm thinking about myself you know I'm like all right I'm gonna do this I'm, I'm not overseeing players and other coaches so Someone of your stature very high stature as a player going to a coaching position i mean you're starting in you know in usl in greenville south carolina which probably has no footprint for soccer and you're exploring (laughs) that now at this point yeah but to be able to there's no shortcuts there's no shortcuts to be a coach and you've got to be ready or i mean you could fall on your face and you didn't you obviously are ready for this situation so you mentioned those conversations with people and you've absorbed that to be able to prepare for it. But still, as we, we got on this call, you were having a meeting with your coaching staff. You obviously are talking with your players. You're looking to get new players in. It's a big job. So how do you, uh, what are the, what are the tips you would give? I, I guess is a good way of putting it for someone who does want to get into it because players that name recognition, sometimes you get a, 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 a A lift here but you're starting somewhere where you're at a grassroots level and you're building so what's the trick how do you be successful in that situation to make sure you're hitting all the details
1: yeah i think it's a big big question i think the trick is there is no trick it's it's honesty it's moving the ego number one and making sure that you're there to serve others and if you're there as a coach you can't you know your leadership is really important you can't switch off that leadership i saw that you know through bruce arena for many years you know being able to play for bruce at, at college at uva um at dc united at the pro level major league soccer and growing and building a brand there and building you know a winning team there um and then also with the national team for a short period of time I, I learned that from bruce um i've had coaches like dave sarakin bob bradley you know guys that are really successful in their own right i've been coached by ron atkinson you know who had experience with manchester united big ron <laughs> yeah you know and and um you know, you look at Redknapp as well, you know, Harry at West Ham and Frank Lampard Sr. And so guys that have influenced me in the way that they approach things on a daily basis. It's hard work. At the end of the day, it's hard work. It's not it's never about you. Um, and you got to make sure that leadership doesn't switch off. It's a consistent thing on a daily basis. So, you know, you get your priorities straight. And, you know, you talked about communication. I think the one thing you learn, you know, it's, it's fun to do broadcasting. It is. It's great to talk about the game. And and I was very, you know, blessed to to cover three World Cups, you know, uh, with ESPN and and starting MLS rap with Fox with you back in the day. And Christopher (laughs) Sullivan and, you know, guys. But but I but I will say, though, Max, that even prepares you to be a coach, too, because you're always analyzing games. You're always breaking down games and you're studying and researching players. And you can tell that the you can certainly tell the commentators, um, and the broadcasters that are prepared when they come to do games. And you can tell the ones that are just winging it and saying, I'll just call a game. Um, I was taught by JP Camera, you know, the, to make sure that you do your research and that you're prepared on a daily basis. You do that. You work hard to do that to make sure that you're prepared, but it's also the banter, you know, and, and it's also the knowledge of the game. And, uh, when you collaborate like that with Christopher Sullivan, yourself guys that were at Fox early on, and I've always been pushing the game to newer Heights. We're always, uh, we're builders, you know, and I guess that's our generation. I, I recognize that I'm a builder. I love to take on projects and also create opportunities for other players and coaching staff to grow in the game. Um, and our ownership group is a great, great group here. It's a, uh, it's Clemson football country. We're trying to push and break down new boundaries every, every uh, week. The winning part helps getting to three finals helps. Um, But uh, yeah, it's part of growing the game, I guess. And that's, that's what we've done. And, you know, even qualifying for the first world cup in 1990 as a national team, you know, great leadership in Bob Gansler and and Ralph Perez and, you know, Joe Mashnick and all these guys and the players that I was with, I was learning from players every single day, you know, every single day.
0: There's, it seems like there's never a dull minute. Like as a, as a broadcaster, you can turn it off, but, I watched you know, just being here at LAFC and watching Bob Bradley and coaching, coaching tape conversations, yeah. media obligations. And I, I would imagine, look, I, I can turn it off as a broadcaster, as a coach, you're going to always probably before you go to bed, I go, have I done everything? Have I carved out the time? Is this player need a little more attention? Uh, are we going to get this guy into the folds? Yeah, right. What's, what's your dammy, I mean, the days there's, it doesn't, there's no set beginning or end. Is there?
1: Well, I think it's important to draw those guidelines and those boundaries, though, Max. I mean, uh, you and I talk often about family and how, you know, you you support your family and you're doing your work. Um, That old cliche of like, oh, I get in early and I'm leaving late every single day doesn't mean anything to me. Because if you're not efficient in doing your work and scheduling a balance in your life, then then you're going to fail in one or the other. And so I've always drawn a balance with that. I'll work when I work and making sure I'm doing the right things, and then when I'm off, I'm off the clock. I am with family. I'm on uh, Zoom calls with my wife. I'm on the Zoom calls with my kids overseas in Scotland and Denmark, and we're just, you know, we're talking to everybody all the time and connecting, so that part of it is, that's hard. That is really hard, and as you go up in the levels, you know, in the in MLS levels and coaching overseas and things like that, what Jesse Marsh is doing, I talk to Jesse on a every two-week basis, and just pick his brain about his experience as well. It's, it's, it, it gets harder. It gets a lot harder because you're in there and you're putting more hours in on a daily basis there. But if you establish your vision and you establish your culture and you have the right people, which is the key to live out your culture on a daily basis, then it doesn't become hard work every day. You're not putting fires out. You're finding solutions as you reflect back on yourself. Did we do the right things? Did I do the right things in the final? You know, you're always doing that as a coach. And I think that's good to do that because you need to grow. Um, And I think for me, I'm always learning every single day, every single day. And I think if you think you've gotten to a point, my dad's always said this, and he's 84 and still playing golf twice a week. He said, if you think you've gotten to a point where you've learned everything, woof, you're in trouble. (laughs) So Great advice. um, Yeah. So there you go.
0: I I was, I admire the American coaches because... And let's—I would ask you about Jesse Marsh, and I would put you in that in that category as well. And the pressure, certainly, for him being an American—I always talk to people about it. I go, Americans are not given anything in as a player, as a coach, as a ref, as a broadcaster. What do you think he has to? I mean, what kind of obligations, without him thinking about it, does he have to match so that? some of these layers are stripped away about, Hey, we can, we can depend on these American coaches. Well, and I'll look at it essentially in, in that's in, in that light. And for someone like you who John Harks, man, that name carries weight and you obviously want to go to see if you can probably coach in Europe or an MLS or, or wherever it might be. Do you feel some of that sometimes about as an American coach yeah. and blazing those trails?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes, yeah.
0: But I mean, look, you know,
1: what I've done as a player and what I've been able to accomplish is because of the players and the coaches around me, you know, it's not just been about me. Sure. I've had some ability and everything else, but it's, you're always part of a, you know, I guess, a mission, you know, with, with guys and, you know, practicing habits every single day in a good way, um, finding solutions, good communication, all that stuff. And you got to put time in, you know, I mean, you know, I don't think Bruce Arena won his first trophy, you know, in in national, title at UVA for like maybe nine years, so you got to put the time in.
0: You but know, they give, do they, do they get. Do you get the time? Are you able to grow that in with time where you hmm. can get to that vision? Where depends you don't on have your to club where ru- We well, don't have to right? rush. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It depends
1: on your club culture and your ownership groups. I mean, you know what I'm doing here. What I did at Cincinnati in year one was fantastic, but I wanted to continue to grow that and didn't get that opportunity because different cultures, you know, what beliefs were. Um, so coming here to Greenville, the ownership group, really authentic, really good leaders, man. I mean, Joe Irwin, um, President Chris Lewis and these guys are like, Hey, you know, they, they respect what you know in the game. And they're like, as long as you have, you know, our mission statement, we're all on the same page here, you know, about what we want to do in the, in the club. That's really important. They talk about managing up, right? That's important. What Jesse Marsh is doing, what he has done. I mean, he's, he's put his mindset to it and said, I'm going to do, go and apply myself, you know, without a doubt. He's done it in the Red Bull system and it's great. They appreciate what he brings to the table. And now it's about consistency in the game, showing up. And like I said before, Max, you can't switch off leadership. You know, it can't be like two days. You're great like this. And then two other days, the guys don't know what you're thinking. It has to be continuous leadership throughout the whole time. So that comes and, you know, I'm just grinding and I'm doing my work here at Greenville and I'm learning every day. And if other opportunities come up, sure, maybe that makes sense, but it's got to make sense for me and my family and my wife and, you know, Cindy, where we're going and what we're doing in our life. Cause that's the most important.
0: Oh, that's a tremendous outlook on all of it, John. And it's uh it's a, it's a tough job. I, I'm really, I just, I'm proud of you, man. It's to see how you've been hey, able thanks, to, <laughs> but how you've taken it. And look, you, you deserve love, It's this. not a work, Max. That's what it is. It's
1: not work. It's love. It's your passion for what you're doing. So it's like, they've said, Hey, here's the keys, Harksy, go do what you can do. And it's like, and you don't have all the answers, but you're, I trust my staff. They're, you know, they, we all discuss everything's inclusive and, it's always about you're only as good as the people around you, Max, in everything you do in life. And it's always about relationships. And when you and I talk or me and Christopher Sullivan talk and we we all go back to football, we're all talking about our passion, and our love. And that's why you do what you do. And you're very good at it. And it's because you love it. So, you know, it becomes easy for you, even though you've got more hours than I do. <laughs> well,
0: I, I love that because you are always up for a laugh. And, you know, everyone says it's a very serious business, whatever it is, coach. And I, I see that. But when I see someone like you who's like, you know, ready, so much levity involved in everything and, and having success, it, it warms my heart because I go, you know, there, there's there's different personalities for coaching. There's the serious, the very serious. Yeah. And you're you're not that. And yet you've been successful in that and people receive you very well and i i don't know what goes on when you're in, in your meetings and stuff i just know f- about you and how you are and how you handle things and again always up to uh to, to soften a situation but knowing when to be serious and when i see you have success it gives hope for people like me it gives me you know cuz we <laughs> we, well, we i think but i do like things a little but bit differently
1: but there's also times i think you know y- you know you you um you know it's like we, we talk about, we have the banter and the fun and the laughs because that's what life is about and it's creating relationships. But there's also times where I've had hard series, you know, conversations with you in the past and, yep. you know, we, we all got to have that. And you're going to switch on at the right moments to do that because it, that's, again, we, we say it so easily, like that balance. It really is a balance. It's not like 75% this way and 25% this way. It's always like a balance. And if you find that and you work for that and you strive for that on a daily basis life you can't take yourself too seriously you know it's it's like it's not about you it's it's about the people you're with and what you're trying to do and sticking to that and you know creating that and um and I think you you get that yeah
0: we get the job done we do it in our own a certain way and I I I approve that I, I appreciate that because some people go wait a minute is he is he's is he the right guy you know he's he doesn't really fit that profile but we you do and you end up getting the job done in your certain yeah. way and it's different strokes for different folks at the end of the day sure, sure. hey uh, what I, i'm covering this sport and i remember look we we were at fox and i when i called you to say hey do you want to do this i brought up our day in glasgow we covered the u.s team it was <laughs> me <laughs> it was me you and dermot macquarie three people we, were, we had a little cove in Hamden Park. Yeah, uh, not it was at Hamden it was it yeah it's Hamden Park correct yeah it was, Hamden,
1: yeah. It was Hamden
0: Park in Glasgow and one camera and we did the broadcast and now you look at this and there's 200 people crew I'm going to be talking about this Premier League when we were at Fox it you know we, they basically gave us the rights and now you have eight different companies competing for two billion dollars and it's grown so much but uh, it, it happens so quickly so I always like to hear the perspective of folks that were there, when it begun, began, and now we're here where it's. And the sport still has a long way to go. It's not like we always want to be the major sport, and we want to be alongside baseball. We're not there yet, but these these steps that are being made certainly make you stop and smell the coffee, smell the roses. Actually, I should say, smell the coffee. I need yeah. some coffee. Smell the roses, but you. Yeah. What is Bridge City Coffee, man? Partner, oh, they're unbelievable
1: that, in, in Greenville. They're, they're unbelievable. Is it a nice strong? This cup builds bridges. That's what we talk about.
0: Go ahead. Distracting you, but go ahead. I'll get you some coffee. Thank you. But it's what, what sticks out about where we were. Let's take Glasgow and whatever, was it 2001 to where this sport is now? Is it growing in the right way? Are we, are we accelerating it too much in certain areas? Are we not meeting the goals that we wanted to meet at some point? No, I think we
1: are growing it the right way. I think you're saying it escalated so quickly. I think there's a lot of people too, Max that would say, wow, it's taken so long for the US to really wrap their arms around the sport. Um, It's everything. It's in the mainstream. It's the business side of it. You know who the ownership groups are, who's driving that, you know, with major league soccer, but also from an international status. It's like, I think the respect is there. It's getting there guys like Steve Schirondolo that have been overseas for a long period of time, guys like Jesse Marsh that are busting through and trying to coach and, and doing their work. I I think that helps, you know, and it takes that stigma, you know, off of it that Americans don't know. And and we're seeing now in the mainstream that the game is covered tremendously and and major league soccer is being reached everywhere around the world, which is awesome. Uh, You're getting, you know, the elevation of the, you know, the style of play and, You know, some of the football is fantastic. Some of it's not. You know, I still wish there was promotion relegation because I think that every game counts when you see that overseas. I mean, you look at like guys that are, oh, the rotating carousel and coaches in the Premier League. And you look at Major League Soccer, you look at the USL levels. uh, We're still growing the game from the ground up. And it's like, there's chopping and changing of managers. And I think a lot of owners don't understand soccer Mm -hmm. a lot or coming from other sports. And when you get to a point where, they are emotionally invested in the game the ownership groups that's when the game's really going to take off and stay up there high that's what i believe because it's like a lot of soccer people are fighting the good fight but we need that money you need cash you need leadership at the top level that believe in the game that are invested in the game and that's that's really important
0: you hit it on the head there john and even in the the tv side of it because what my experiences have been is when we're seeing the growth of soccer and I was at ESPN and we're talking about that and the superiors generally aren't soccer people and they defer or they'll make decisions that, uh, they f- that they're that they allowed to make in many ways because it's still in, in an experimental ground. But I think when we get that leadership where people can say, "I,", I for, for lack of a better expression, a soccer guy, who's a yeah. fan, who's invested, who's seen it and, has some context with everything, then we'll get there. And it's happening a little bit, but I, I, I still see a lot of room for growth with regards to everything because it's still embryonic in many ways and we still have to create an identity. Look, uh, MLS was hanging on by a thread when uh, when, it's, when you were starting with it and a few yeah. years in, well, there was like two owners, right? So, yeah. uh, and then, but now you have more and more owners, investment and coverage but uh, it's it still needs that. It still needs that right supervision. And I, I, I look forward to people like you that they can defer that to where it's say, all right, he knows what he's talking about. And then he can find people that are on that same wavelength. But uh, I think that's like the undiscovered country really of the sport that we have to get to the people in the, the power positions yeah. with that um, expertise, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And it's, it's like, they start driving that. And then they trust the people that are in charge, you know, they yep. trust the soccer people to come in, like you say, the soccer guy, whatever it may be, the soccer woman that's in, <laughs> in charge to do what they got to do. I mean, even it's like, it's so easy. Um, there's so many people that, that, that kind of go towards you know, people, people say to me, like, Harksy, man, is the media getting better in the U.S.? You know, I get those like, conversations, like, with everybody. You know, I talked to Roberto Martinez the other day in Belgium, and he's like, do you think it's growing, Harksy, in the right way? And I'm like, yeah, Roberto, it is. I go, what about the media? Are they covering it the right way and this and that? And I'm like, not really. It could be better. I mean, there's a lot of people that are doing the right fight and they're pushing the game. But ideally, there needs to be more spent on broad, you know, production. You know, there needs to be more cameras in the stadiums. You know, there needs to be, you know, all of that needs to be elevated. But at the same time, it's like when you got enough people now finally fighting the right fight and pushing the game forward and, you know, you, you need the women's programs and, and the national team and you need the men's programs, you know, qualifying for the Olympics and qualifying for the big major uh, uh, World Cups, you have to have that. And I think it hurts when we didn't qualify for the last World Cup in 2018 you know, the young group that's coming through right now and the Greg Berhalter and his staff are are doing a fairly good job. I think, you know, there's, it's easy for people to criticize. There's easy for people to tear down all the time. And I I talk about, there's so many people in media that always lead to conflict because they think that's their job instead of just reporting the game. And and really like you'll always get in your ear sometimes. um, And you've, you've been through this I was through this, even at ESPN back in the days, I get somebody in a truck that's telling me to be controversial. And I'm like, why would I be controversial? That's the (laughs) hardest thing to do in football is to catch a ball over your shoulder, you know, a 50 yard ball that's in (laughs) pressure situations. I mean, no, I'm not going to be controversial.
0: That is again, uh, perspective with all of this is so, so enormous. And uh, it, it, we have a long way to go. And I, I know that we, we get a little cute with our coverage, but getting into the, the meat and potatoes, and I like what you said about the national team. You said they've done fairly well because I, this group of guys that have come together, we've never seen this. You were one of the guys who went overseas to play as a, a, a fan of our, our beloved West Ham United amongst other clubs. But yeah. you were you were an outlier. There wasn't a lot of Americans playing there. And now you have this glut of guys and one after the other. And, and in a year from now, it's going to be 10 or 15 more guys. And Europe has paid attention and are looking at the United States, so uh, it it doesn't really equate to more success on the national team level. And this is a very young team, and we saw that with a great performance against Mexico. And then they go into Jamaica, and they look there's 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 inconsistencies. And again, it, it doesn't get handed to you, but you also have a new we're a new sphere of criticism for these players. I've, I could not believe it, John, when the rosters come out, I hold my breath because I know that on Twitter and everyone's going to be arguing, why did this guy get called in? Why is this guy in? Why are there 10 MLS players? Yada, yada, yada. And that's growth. And that's a sign that we've really come a bit of, of, uh, we've come a long way, but it's still counterproductive in many ways because I'm like, you know, yeah we're all, every country's complaining about the rosters, but I get the feeling it's, it's gone beyond the pale so many times with the United States, but we want to give this new generation the keys and let them take it. But it, it's not so easy. I mean, they're still a young group and they're going to make mistakes and we've got to, uh, we got to be patient with them. we got to be patient with the coaching staff. So you were there, you qualify for world cups. And it's amazing what they did in the nineties, because you, you hit the ground running and you were competitive in these big competitions. And, we hope that's the case next November in Qatar. How have you seen this group? Is it progressing in the right direction? Is it, is it moving in a, in, a, in a path that is organic and will get to that goal, whatever that goal is? It's not winning a World Cup, but it's being competitive in many ways. And where, where do you think we need, where are the touches we need a place to make sure that that path is taken the right way?
1: I mean, I, I think uh, there's a number of things to address. Number one, I do think that uh, people need to, you know, sometimes hold back their opinions because they don't know F all about the game um, and they question everything and they're not in a position to do that. They need to trust the, the, the process. And somebody asked me the other day, like, wow, you really, I heard you say that like, you really think Greg Berhalter is doing a good job. And I'm like, he is, it's, it's like one of the if, hardest jobs. there if is." If you
0: say that you're going to get that pushback, which is stunning. And then the guy's just beat Mexico three times. But
1: like we have said before, it's easy to tear down a house than there is to build one. You know, and I think right now there's a, a nation where you said it's great because more people are coming in and having your opinions. But it'd be better if people came in, and supported it, and, and just no matter what, didn't question everything. Yeah, of course, you want to question some things. But that's part to have, like, dialogue. But it's not about, like, being 70% negative. There's so many people that talk about things that they shouldn't really make opinions about. Like they should be a little bit more thoughtful in the way they approach it. And, but that I'm tired of, it's easy to come in and have somebody complain about, Oh my God, their style of play and this young guy, and he didn't get it. And this player did this and blah, blah, blah. But then I'm like, okay, it, it, I can have, if I put 50 people in the room, Max, 47 of them would do that. Maybe three would say like, okay, here's some solutions. Find me the solution. Why, do, why does everybody say it's not good enough? No. Okay, what would you do? <laughs> and then when they, no, something no, wants and they don't the know exclusions. what they're talking about, they, you find out that they, there's no substance to what they're saying. So look, yeah, are there younger guys there? We know that the national team process is a, is a difficult one, especially now where there's more players all over the world and flying and travel, and are they gonna perform right? Are they in a different system? Do they understand their role? Is there clear communication when they come in with the national team process? um i still think there's more players out there to get opportunities with the national team i think that they're trying to scan as much as they can but you got to give players chances and you have to let them kind of you know whether they're people get so emotional it's like yeah if, if if they didn't play particularly well in jamaica they still got a point should have jamaica won that game probably based on the chances they had but at the end of the day, getting a point on the road and winning at home, the 2-0 win against Mexico is fantastic. I think you seem like you see progress in Wea, you know, the way he's playing. Uh, Aronson has done a great job filling in. Uh, I think Adams is good centrally. Um, there's a couple of players that, that didn't shine in that game. And then at sometimes they're going to get it right, and you're not going to get it right on the day. But if you're creating that platform for a national team player to step up, there should be no question about your heart what that goes into it when you put that crest on you on that jersey and you wear that jersey you should be like honoring that you know and i thought zimmerman did extremely well in that game against mexico so there are guys that stand out you got matt turner who's done tremendously under bruce arena at new england and look what he's done during the qualifying stages with the national team you have zach Steffen to come in there they're battling that out so you're creating depth you're making sure it's it's hard you know When West mckinney's not playing well um obviously there's other guys to step in there and do the job you know but you need team players when they come to the national team they have to be bought in for themselves they can't be bought in like uh you know it's just me look at me I'm going to shine today it's what does the team need and I think that's what Greg's trying to get into their mindsets all these young guys like hey grow up emotionally and physically and everything else and bring that to the table it's hard
0: it, and I think there, that's kind of clicking because uh there is a there's a moment with bringing these kids in and giving them that opportunity where they're coming from big clubs and they're, they're getting the, the red carpet treatment and now they're learning how to be a team. And I I've, I've seen it click, but it's, it's a process. You bring up Matt Turner doing wonderfully. He he's replaced by Zach Stefan. It now appears to be Zach Stefan's team, but, you also have to have that moment where you bring Matt Turner in and go, look, I need to keep you engaged. And he is, you see him on the sideline and he's supporting yeah. the guys and you see that from everyone. And I, those are the little things that have to click. Cause if you have one, you know, one bad camper, it can, it can undermine a lot of, a lot of stuff. But I think Greg also gives guys opportunities. And I, I would, I take a guy like Josh Sargent, for instance, who's off the team right now, but mm-hmm. can certainly come back. I'm sure the converse, the conversations have been had there where there is a pathway back. You're, it, you're not really hitting your stride, but there's going to be an opportunity where you can come back. So don't, don't stress. Don't, don't put ideas in your head that you're not part of this because you are, but it's uh yeah. man, it's a big squad. And look, uh, I wanted to ask about your son here, uh, Ian, who's at Dundee mm. United and certainly who is in the mix. I mean, you've, he, has probably had some conversations with the national team. And again, like you, John, no shortcuts was it was in major league soccer and now playing in Scotland, finding his legs, finding himself, his identity as a player. Um, What are those conversations like with him where you're, you know, that that's something that you want to achieve. And it's it's within reach. Certainly maybe it wasn't a couple of years ago, but it is for a player who has put in the time to be noticed.
1: Yeah. I think it's just keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's like, be patient with that process and you can only control, you know, what you can control. And that means that your performance, you know, and, you know, you look at Greg and his staff, and certainly from a dad's point of view, again, it's like, you don't want to be emotionally biased here. You know, you get Bob Bradley. That's had that with Michael Bradley coached him at the Metro stars early in his development stages, you know, and now look where that is, you know, and they possibly could be back together again in Toronto from what we're hearing. So, um, you know, I always look at Ian. We raised Ian. He's such an honest player. He's such a good hearted guy and he's fantastic to connect the team. He's such a team player. And I said, look, you know, you got to add certain things to your game. And now he's adding it. He's scoring goals. You know, he's a real box to box. Number eight connects the games. First touch on the pressure is fantastic. And um, he sees the game. So well. his vision and he's, you know, he's got that engine man, a big engine, he can cover so much ground in a game. So it's all starting to come together for him. And those experiences of playing with DC United, you know, coming out of Wake Forest where he was coached by Jay Vidovich early on and Bobby Moose and, you know, get, get more discipline from Jay and and the the structure of the game and a little bit Bobby like creative, let him kind of find, find the game a little bit more. That's all stepping stones for him. You know, going to DC United, great. You know, he's done well, but he needed to get on his own and find his own path and to get to Dundee United, fight you know the to promotion again brought that club up he was part of that which was fantastic so the experiences that he's gained by doing that it changes you as a young man and so I'm seeing sure. that and I'm like right now yes he's playing like he can be get, get called in I would love for him to get a chance I would I think he deserves it and it's not about me and my family and we're a soccer family and blah 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 it's more about I think he deserves it and I look at some of those players that are sitting on that bench and you know why not give him a rotation, you know, opportunity, you know, call him in. But he's gotta work for it. Everybody does. And uh he just keeps his head down and keeps grinding out know, with Dundee United. And great game winner yesterday for him against Aberdeen. And you know, he's scoring goals against Celtic and he's doing well against Rangers. So, you know, these are all great experiences that he can add, you know, to who he is as a player.
0: That's fantastic. How's he liking done? How's he liking Scotland in general? I mean, what's Dundee yeah. like? I mean, with Scotland I mean, has a Max,
1: Max, you would lose it <laughs> because Dundee is so progressive. It's unbelievable. Like we were there as a family last Christmas. We're all there and we're like, my daughter was like vegan and this and that. And we're all finding these restaurants. And I'm like, what's happening here? This is Dundee. My dad grew up here years ago. he was like two, two blocks away from Dundee United's Tannadice Stadium. And I'm like, he's like, what's going on in Dundee? Economically, they've changed. There's a lot of growth there really progressive city. Um, he's liking it. His wife, Sarah, they just got married this summer. Oh, uh, fantastic. Out, out in Dana Point, which was fantastic. And uh, so she's a soccer player as well. We're at Celtic women's team. And uh, she just came back from an ACL last year. So she's a great footballer. They both met at Wake. So they're they're living their dreams right now. They're playing at a high level and they're, they're competing every week and they love Dundee. They're, they're enjoying it. Um, the manager this year, Tam Quartz, has come in and he's really gone back to football. He likes that style of play. He wants to build and go through it instead of like smash and grab and chase all over the place. So he's really enjoying his football right now in that club. Has he got a Scottish accent? Is he, is he, is he really bit. pronouncing his vowels? A wee bit, man. A wee a bit. bit. Oh, look look it's like, like you, you're Scottish, like you had at Hampton Park that day. You're like, "Oxy," I'm like, oh, Max, that was you. <laughs> Alexey, get me a pie. I I mean, uh, it's Like, hey, the Spanish comes out, and you're, you're like, on, Star Spike Man." I'm like, "You can't say that." Man.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I was always taken by the fine cuisine of Scotland. I go, what are you? What should I eat here in Scotland? I go, well, I'd eat, I'd go to the the Indian place and have some of that curry. I go, yeah, that's not Scottish cuisine. I mean, I mean, and I go, no, it's the best in, it's the best here in all of Scotland. I'm all right, but uh, it, <laughs> restaurants in Scotland and England than there is in India. <laughs> I gotta say, we had a place that we ate at an Indian place. It was fantastic, uh, and that's kind of become part of the the British fair, I should say. Maybe not just Scottish, but uh, when you go there, you're going to have a, a world class Indian feed or a Bangladeshi feed. There's there's Ooh, those kind of options there. there. there uh, <laughs> it's it's interesting. Scotland's become a, a a nice place for for that development. It's such an it's such yeah. a different league. I mean, there's 10 teams, or is it 12 teams in the first division? And you oh, have yes. the Celtic Rangers uh, dynamic, and the rest kind of find the, find an identity. Yeah. But very well supported. I think supported. that's changing now. I think that's changing,
1: Max. I mean, you, you, Good. you see the Aberdeens of the world, the Motherwells, the Hibs, you know, Dundee United now, back where they should be. They were an absence of being in the Premier League for a long time, you know, uh, Dundee United. So Hibs is a great club. Uh, Ron Gordon is the owner there, an American guy and he's really changed the structure of that the business structure and they're, they're a great club great facilities resources so uh these are all good clubs and they're they're competing i don't think it's ranger celtic anymore that are like the standouts obviously when steven Gerrard was there he was pushing rangers to new heights tremendously what what he did the work that he did there now you see him back in the premier league uh, with Aston villa but i mean he as well like you talk about you were like, Harksey. what is it that, that pushes you, you know, to go to the lower levels? And, and it's about learning the game. It's about growing as a manager. It's about, yeah, would I love to manage at a high level? Sure. But you got to get there someday. And the work that he did at Rangers has helped him, you know, to get to Astonville. Yeah, exactly. fantastic. It's like Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard was a my boot boy at West Ham. And then Frank Lampard is one of the best midfielders to ever come out of the Premier League. You know, the best midfielder in Chelsea scoring goals for fun. And here's a kid, a guy that wants to manage like his dad, you know, he was my assistant coach when I was at West Ham and uh, and, and he's done tremendous. And he took on a Chelsea club that high expectations, man. It's really these are tough jobs man. every single day um, and they're not going to give you a lot of time. If Sir Alex, you know, was coaching today, would he have had enough time to grow what he did at Manchester United? No chance, no chance. And so it's it's a different time. And you know, we talk about the Billionaires Club. You know, that's a great book. I don't know if you have ever read that book. Actually, I'm looking for about... a book.
0: I'm looking for a book to read. I'm wrapping up the Rob Halford autobiography of Judas Priest, and I'm almost done with it. I'm trying to do okay. a book a month, every like three it. weeks. So, Billionaires Club. Sh- I, should I get that next?
1: Yeah, it's I'm wide one. open with what I it can it's read. Basically,
0: about the It's
1: about the investors that, and the ownership groups that come in that know nothing about soccer and how that uh. came. In. And it's, it's quite good. I read that um, James Montague, I think I read it two years ago. Um, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then, you know, I just read Carlo Ancelotti's again, I always go back to, you know, his uh, quiet leadership. Sir Alex is always a great book to read for sure. And then there's one on life in general is Eckhart Tolle, you know, and it's just uh, Eckhart Tolle is just such a great spiritual leader, but but it's all about finding balance in life. So if you get those, you're, you're going to be okay.
0: We're having a book club here. So uh, as an extra bonus for <laughs> the, the listeners of the soccer, everyone, we all have to read a little bit more. And uh, I, I got away from that and I, I did it. it I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, the Scottish experience. And you mentioned Sir Alex, you know, he grinded at Aberdeen before going to Manchester United. Brendan, I mean, the Steven Gerrard situation is a perfect example. Get that, get that under your belt where you're coaching and you, can work out the the kinks to become a top manager where you can go to Aston Villa and you know, being be a, that's a huge club. Brendan Rodgers went to, got back to Celtic, kind of built his platform, and now doing wonderfully at Le- well, not right at this very minute, but obviously with what he's done at right. Leicester, City, he's been great. It, it, it's a crazy business, John. I don't know why you got into it. Look at this: Brendan Rogers, the toast of the town, and now people say, "Hey, uh, should we get a new manager at Leicester?" It's crazy. I don't know how you've put yourself in that situation. It's well, great. I think, I think
1: people's <laughs> perspectives now and everything, they, there's no patience in the game to grow. You know, it's a, there's a process and that process has been thrown out the window because everybody wants it. It's the instant button. Now everybody gets everything easy. It's like, you know, just think about that Staples commercial years ago, that easy button, you know, and now, now you see everything is on your phone, you know, and we talk about the iPhone generation and the platforms, they have social media, everybody can criticize everybody and sit behind a computer and not, not be known who they are. Um, so yeah, it, it's different. It's a, it's a challenging place. And that's why it's really important. Um, you know, even if you get these opportunities and people come to you and say, Hey, let's go to a bigger club or let's go to the next levels of coaching. It's like, you got to make sure you're in it with the right people that really understand like that your culture, culture and your vision and living that out every day and, and your coaching style, you know, it's not going to be all wins and, you know, it's going to be some losses here and there and you, and you lose and, and you win and losing people hate it, but you do, you win and losing if you're able to reflect and kind of grow from that. So it's really
0: important to have that patience. Yeah. And you got to let yourself, you got to let yourself fall in that situation so you can build yourself up. But it's, it's an uncomfortable situation, but something you got to put yourself in. We all have to, I have to do that as well. I'm going to take a couple L's every now and then, which I do. I like it. I like, <laughs> it. I like it. I like to hear that. John, man. I, all great to chat with you. And again, so proud of you of what you've been able to accomplish. And I look forward to seeing you, you know, continue you, this incredible path and look as better than a coach. You have knocked it out of the park as a dad, so you should be very ah, proud. Yeah, you have- very lucky.
1: Yeah, no, you're not. Lucky. No,
0: no, no. You're that's that's good parenting. So I I take a lot out of that, and I obviously want to do that the same in my space. So you're an inspiration. Ah, oh, thank th- you, buddy. My wife is my rock. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's a team effort. It's a team effort yeah, for sure. Jo- John Hart's coach of the Greenville Triumph and U.S. soccer legend, giving us his uh, his perspective. We'll be back on the Soccer OG. I'll talk about the new deal. Of the Premier League with NBC and what it means in the big picture of our sport. Okay, we are back. Time now for stoppage time. I miss this. This is where I really get to dig in and talk to you about stuff that's important to me and important to you if you're listening to this podcast because we are talking about this sport and a groundbreaking. And we heard about this Premier League deal and. The funny thing is, I remember we were told that the MLS was said, hold off because we have an MLS deal coming up in the year. We'll get back to you once we work out this. So the players were obviously NBC, who uh, ended up getting another six years. You had ESPN. I talked to a lot of folks at ESPN off the record secretly, and they're relieved they didn't get the Premier League because it's just jam-packed on the platform. No. The ESPN Plus... I was thinking this could be something that could be sublicensed. There was a deal with uh, CBS and a combination, uh, Amazon, some other distributors that were as well, Warner. And um, they all gave it. Fox, Fox had a joint bid as well. All these crazy numbers, and we've talked about it here. NBC eventually did get it. Uh, it is $2.8 billion. Um, it's... Obviously astronomical to the point where it has, it's worth more than the ESPN deal for NHL. So we always talk about being the next big sport. The Premier League is a more expensive product now than ice hockey, which is really something to take away from all of this. And I saw people writing articles saying, well, we're now soccer is a major sport because of this. And I would proceed with caution uh, about that so it's actually 2.7 billion which is over double the previous deal and it's been with premier league since t- it's been with nbc in 2013 i was with fox when we got it in 1998 and from, my, from what my bosses told me the deal was with for 1 million dollars stunning the growth um but I, I just want to point out how the rights fees have grown but when you look at And the the popularity of the sport has grown. There's no doubt about it. And the reach that NBC has had with Premier League has grown. But people are not watching. It doesn't equate to that many more people watching the sport. So this is a astronomical price tag. And it's, in my estimation, it's not worth it. Now, when people were asked about... Was it a need for NBC, and they said, "Yeah, because they li- lost ice hockey, they need something." Obviously, NBC needs people to tune into what will be their streaming service, Peacock, which will in- now be the the main carrier for the Premier League. If you want to watch the Premier League, get Peacock. It also has WWE, so if you like wrestling in the Premier League, you you're in Nirvana. No. And then there's also uh, some good NBC programming, if you like. It's worth it. Just get it. Stop complaining about this. The, my biggest issue with all these carriers is it, it's it's frustrating to have to go from one streaming service to the next to watch a game. It's no longer a quick click of the channel. I sound like an old man when I talk about it. So um, the price tag here tells you it's now a major sport. But the interest with, I mean, the Premier League when you look at it, obviously it's because there's games in the morning, but you're you're talking about 250,000 viewers on the linear side. A big game gets 500, a real big game. Manchester United-Liverpool probably checks in close to a million. And it's been like that for the last few years, and it's actually dipped a little bit. So viewers and numbers hasn't grown, and um, it's become a situation where it's... Everything You're overpaying for everything because the competition is fierce. What happens when you overpay for things? Well, you you take away from other things to balance the books. Unfortunately, production's hit with that pretty hard. I've seen CBS with their rollout, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to see how much they're doing for production. But I I can assure you that will stop because they balance the books, and someone in those offices go, hold on a second, we're, this, we're way in the red, we got to fix this. So there's going to be big plans. By the way, it's, it's interesting when these things happen. You follow these guys like uh, John Urant and Richard Dites. They're all good follows. They tell you the ratings of the sports. I'm always on it. But I, I'm inside the beltway, as you will, with regards to uh, enjoying all the stuff about the business of sport. I think most people don't really waste too much time. So They don't follow it. But these, a lot of these guys are saying, yes, this is a breakthrough, yada, yada, yada. They don't know. They don't know the industry. There was some. This is obviously good because NBC also gets to feed Telemundo, which their Spanish site Telemundo does a great job. And real quickly, and I, I think I touched on it earlier, NBC's production is fantastic, and they take really good care of it. They don't stash it away. Rebecca Lowe, the two Robbies, Tim Howard's getting better in, in doing this. Uh, Arlo White and the guys there, and then they have an incredible world feed with the Premier League, which is what you hear outside of the Arlo White games. But NBC still gives it an NBC feel by putting Arlo on those games, which is great. Uh, NBC retains those rights and it's a comfortable spot and they engage the audience. They have those fan fests. But we're talking about almost $3 billion. $3 billion. How many subscribers do you have to get at Peacock? They already have the subscribers for the Peacock. You're not going to get a huge astronomical push for that. This is going to be uh, a something that is going to lose money. There's really no other way. I also want to take a hat off to the Premier League because we heard some of these bids may have even exceeded that, and they stuck with NBC, and that, that's really valuable. When you have a good partner, you stay with them. That's old-fashioned ethics in business, and I think it's fantastic. Uh, soccer fans are very demanding, so uh, they are uh, they're going to really push for all of this. And they're going to demand that the Peacock streaming service gets upgraded in many ways. But where's this money going to come from? I mean, everyone has a limit with all of this. I'm just, I was, I knew this was coming, but I was surprised. Remember the Spanish league went for like 1.4, whatever it was. I mean, it was over a billion dollars for ESPN. That's not getting numbers. I just, I've always been that person saying soccer is growing. It's getting there. We are the, the undiscovered country. We're huge. We're going to get there. We're going to pass hockey. Then we're going to pass baseball. Maybe. Not anytime soon. The growth is very slow. We think it's growing when we see stuff like this. We think it's growing when we, uh, we see more people at the stands. We see more games being played here. We see growth in Major League Soccer. But it's not $3 billion worth of growth. We are in a world where everyone needs content. Everyone needs to fill their coffers. The The work, the uh, the landscape is fierce, man. Everyone is really pushing and everyone's premium stuff. We do have the World Cup coming in 2022, 2026. Fox is now focusing on big events. They got the Euros, so which is going to be weird too because not, who knows if they're in MLS? Who knows if they get involved in MLS? And I've talked to a bunch of people about this MLS deal and you get worried. I think going to NBC was good because NBC wasn't going to get back in the MLS game. But now ESPN has And what drives the ESPN staying in bed with Major League Soccer is because a lot of the owners there with the NFL and they want their MLS teams to be buoyant. So ESPN is going to always be there because of the NFL partnership. CBS may do the same thing. I don't know. I mean, Fox, are they going to do it? They'd want to do it at the right price. Was it $90 million? And some people seem to think it might come in lower than that. And I'm like, yikes. Hey, I work for MLS. But I, uh, a business person inside the uh, inner circle there said it should double. So what were we talking about uh, $200 million. Maybe triple. It just sounds like so little in comparison. But it it also feels like what's left over. I believe in Major League Soccer, the growth potential because it's in our backyard. You can develop fans. Uh, The Premier League is developing fans too, but there's always that distance because we're so far away. You can't just get up and say, I'm going to go see Crystal Palace or go see a Chelsea game. The proliferation of Americans playing there will help, and that's going to continue to grow. We have. A couple of three or four in the Premier League and a few more in the Championship with the chance to be promoted, but this is not a a, a massive uh, community yet, and it's not going to draw huge numbers until it gets there. If one of if Christian Pulisic becomes the best player in the Premier League or someone else does, who's American, perhaps. When you have the uh, when you have a situation also with what's going to happen with the World Cup. 2026 that's going to change it that's down the road and people are banking on that having a big bang but i've always said it's going to happen but you know i have these talks and i look at these numbers and i go this is flat this is not growing the way it should espn came in i mean nbc came in gangbusters but it hasn't it's had some growth but not equating the rights fees not that kind of if you had a graph if both the, the tv numbers whatever, the streaming numbers and the numbers to cost to get the rights, they don't match. One's a lot flatter than the other one. So I know people are really excited and think that this is a breakthrough moment, but there's a lot of work that's going to be done. And I don't think it's ever going to match that. And I think soccer is going to eventually lose money because of it. That all said, I am thrilled that this sport is drawing that. But it, the, the crap is going to hit the fan one day. And... People are going to look at the books. And I hate to be a downer here. I'm not trying to be too much of a downer. I was just, I just look at how this sport is growing. I go, it doesn't make sense. That price tag does not make sense. It's a great product. You know, it wasn't that long ago when it was $3 billion for the NBA. But the NBA draws, outdraws Premier League and all soccer by leaps and bounds. It's night and day. And the Premier League and soccer in general is nowhere near to getting that on a regular basis. All I know is I hope that MLS becomes whole because hey, I want to be gainfully employed. <laughs> but this is uh, great to talk about. be careful who you get your information about. It's always important to talk to some folks about where this is headed. And from NBC going from 433, whatever it was uh, it was about 100 million to 433 million a year, is pretty bonanzas bananas i said bonanza bananas all right i didn't get a lot of sleep last night I had no internet so i had to wait for everything okay i'm very transparent here but there you go Whew. what a day what a what a time to be a fan of this sport so we look forward upward and onwards this is the soccer og check out the soccer og on youtube under my name max bretos we're one year out of the world cup it's going to be a great world cup have you seen the stadiums there in qatar holy crap They look like aliens. They look like something that crawled out of the middle of the earth and is going to come out and fight Godzilla. That's what it looks like. Please rate, review, share, download the Soccer OG Podcast. I appreciate all your support. It's a Monday, but as I always like to say, Placido Domingo.